0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Wine Hour. So good to have you all back. Uh, we had some great feedback from the premiere and I want to thank you all for that. Uh, so for the next hour, we are going to take you in the, uh, in the world of wine. And the team is complete now. Hi, Jimmy.
1: Hello, my huge apologies. <laughs>
0: it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Right on time. Perfect. So, uh, so we prepared for you a, a great show today, um, and uh, it's uh, it's a great honor uh, to welcome our special guest, uh, Laurent Plantier. Hello, everybody. <laughs> so, introducing the uh, Wine Dream team. So, coming from um, Napa Valley. Uh, we have Jamie Orajo. <laughs> 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 Hi, Jamie.
1: <laughs> Hello. Hello. Um, and again, my apologies for being late. Oh,
0: it's okay. It's okay. No, so so we have
1: it, we have rain in Napa Valley, which is very exciting, but then oh. everybody forgets how to drop.
0: So th- it's the beauty of the live shows. <laughs> um, and then coming from uh, Paris, we have uh, Tanisha Townsend.
2: Hello.
0: Hi, Tanisha.
3: I love the clapping.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, we have to make a, a bit of ambiance there. Uh, and coming from London, we have uh, for check. <laughs> so, uh, is everyone's ready? Yeah, so grab a glass of wine.
2: <laughs> I wish.
0: Again. Relax and uh, here's a toast to you.
2: Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Come on, Jamie. Where is, where, is your, where, where is your where is your glass of wine? Come on, I know I, it's only I, like
1: I'm so far behind time-wise, it's, it's uh it's uh, it's okay. It's
2: just it's just past what is it, like past <laughs> 11, eleven, eleven forty or something, whatever. A, so, it's so I guess <laughs>
0: everyone is 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 ready. And um, so, here we go for the first segment. So, uh, this encore is, uh, is kind of special today because uh, last week on March 9th, um, we had the terrible news of the passing of uh, Steven Spurrier. Now, for those who are not very familiar with him, uh, he's a person that has basically shook the world of of, of wine. On May 24, 1976, uh, he planned an event in Paris just to promote his wine school. And uh, it turned out to be something that people call the Judgment of Paris, which basically put on the map uh, the Napa wines, beating the French wines. And nine of the judges were French. Out of the 11. So it was something that was tremendous because people started to realize that, you know, uh, the French are not the only ones who can make great wines. So starting with this, uh, it was a revolution and other countries afterwards started to see that, okay, we can do things. So this is the bio of of Stephen Spurrier, the beginning of it. But for encore this time, uh, it's going to be a bit more personal because we have the chance of having people that have known him very closely. Um, and before we start with Jamie and Akosh, I would like to call on Nicole Roulet. Uh, because Nicole knew Stephen very personally, not only as a friend, but also because he was uh, the president of ARINI. The uh, think tank that she co founded with uh, Pauline Vicar. Hello, Nicole. And thank you for joining wow, what us. It's
4: great to be with everyone, <laughs> especially <laughs> some of the people that I got to be with earlier today. Uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, so that is very lovely of you to give me this opportunity because ever t- since I got the news, I have been wishing for a way to really celebrate this great man. And, and pay tribute to him. Uh, I certainly have a personal debt because he also got me started on the International Grenache Symposium, which was a seminal event in, in my life uh, because it was just me and a fellow winemaker wondering how come Grenache is not more known and better appreciated as a, as a variety since there's so much of it planted in the world. And a simple conversation with him at the Carlton Club Uh, began a a chain of events which led to the, what was originally gonna be just a small encounter. I used to be director of programs in a think tank and I had learned there that when you bring the right people together with the big ideas, all bets are off everything starts to happen, everything is possible uh, to really affect change. And we were just gonna be about 15 or 20 people initially, it spiraled into 280 people from 23 countries. And he was at the origin of that as the chairman and, and the instigator, and that eventually led to the rainy as well. So uh, my experience with him was so important on several fronts first of all, like I think anyone who ever met him personally, he had this gift of making everyone feel special and his humility and the fact that he was such a great gentleman and always treated people with respect, Uh, even when he found them unsufferable, which I'm sure happened as often to him as it does to the rest of us. uh, I had met very few people that despite their reputation, their renown, their their influence, their fame, can we call it that? I mean in, I know the wine world that's a it's a big word to use for a small microcosm like ours, but he was certainly a, a big fish in, in a in a in a pretty big pool because he was known internationally uh, in every circle. He always kept that open-mindedness, the time and energy to pay attention to new people, to new ideas. And I have not encountered that very often. I had the great privilege of working for David Rockefeller for a number of years. And he was like that as well. And it's a reminder to all of us that no matter what our life experiences are, there's that you know keeping the generosity of spirit and the humility going alongside uh, the advancement of our, of our professional interests is a, is a, is a full-time job uh, on top of the many other jobs that we have. And he carried that out. So beautifully, and I'll never uh, forget that. So I just was wondering how was best to celebrate this great man and all the things he did for so many people in so many places. He was like a little hummingbird who would go uh, and pick up little ideas, like from flower to flower, and then cross-pollinate everything, and suddenly uh, connect uh, so many actors in the wine world around important things that were happening. And I. I really tip my hat to him and I, I miss him dearly. So I just wanted to thank you, Antoine, for creating the opportunity for some of us to be able to, to say thank you to him wherever he is for everything he's done for us.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Nicole. And uh, and so let's celebrate him. Uh, and I know that Akosh, you know, you know you knew him, you know him very well. He was very supportive to you. What were the, the good parts? You know, how do you remember this, you know, some, some great things about him? And then we'll talk to, to Jamie uh, because she's also, uh, she knows everyone.
2: Well, well, I mean, you know, yes, it's great. Everything that Nicole said is true, but he loved to drink wine with me. That was great. I loved that, you know? <laughs> and that was, that was great. He was just a great guy, okay, to hang out with. And uh, he was very humble. No, no no matter how much you made him drink and that is something that I have experienced in the past that people start out humble but as as the, as the lunch or the dinner goes along they kind of manage to undress this coat that they start with and something else comes out with him it was exactly what it was in the beginning and it ended up doing the same doing the, at the end of it exactly like that and uh, and and he was he was nice. He always said what he thought in a polite way. Um, but I remember in 1999 when I came to London and I, before I started Top Selection, um, I, he was the first and uh, journalist uh, and actually the only one who actually gave me time to sit down with him and we had lunch at the Gavroche uh, for the uh, first time in, in September and. And you know, I presented to him what I was doing, and he was very, very supportive. And you know, he was the first person to write about us, uh, about me. And uh, as soon as the company was created, and he was, he was there all along. And we had our lunches. Um, and in September two thousand and nineteen, we had our twentieth anniversary reunion at the Gavroche, uh, where he presented me with uh, Bride of Whale. So I am drinking the Bride, Bride Valley wine because there is only. Uh, normal that uh, if we celebrate him, we have to drink his wine. So, you know, he was like what Gerard Basset was for the Sommeliers. That's what he was for the wine writers for me. So over to you, Jamie. Cheers.
1: Yeah, cheers. Um, no, I mean, I did the first um, 10 years of my life after college in the UK. And my first real steps in the wine world were in London. So I crossed paths with him several times, and um, you know everything that Nicole and Akosha said is, is absolutely true. He was super generous, always a gentleman, and very kind and thoughtful, and always kept an open mind. And I think um, what I really always go back to, um, obviously being a little napa centric, um, is that you know he <laughs> even though. Everyone agrees and he was very clear about the fact that the judgment of Paris, he never imagined that the California wines would win, Uh, nor did he intend to have that happen. He just thought, you know, oh, they'll score better than anyone thinks and it'll be a talking point and a a point of discussion. Um, And then they won and everybody went, oh, holy crud, okay, now what do we do? But, you know, apart from just, you know, putting them on a world stage and everything, I think that whole tasting, as much as the people who are making wine here then definitely believed in themselves, it gave them an external boost of confidence and really set the stage for everything that has gone between the 70s and now to make Napa into the extraordinary um, wine growing region that it is. So, I mean, I... I, basically, I wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for him, um, because my parents wouldn't have come to Napa, they wouldn't have been able to make the wines that they made, and and we wouldn't um, be where we are today. So um, for that, I owe him an extreme debt of gratitude because I have the best job in the world and I love what I do.
0: Thank you, Laurent. Did you did you know uh, Stephen Stephen Furrier?
2: No, I never met him.
0: Okay, okay.
2: He's he, he was. What is interesting about it is that um, whenever uh, he had time for people, which is really difficult. Uh, I mean, Jamie, you know that better than anyone else, that in this world, uh, you know, many of the wine writers um, just take themselves so seriously. It's just ridiculous, you know, and they think that, you know, it's it's easier to get an appointment from Barack Obama when he was president than with those guys. And, uh, but it's just, it's just one of those things that he was always approachable. You sent him a message, you didn't send him an email, he would reply to you, you know? But and, I think
1: that, and, and that's the point as well. I think he was always curious. He never lost yes. his curiosity. And I think so often, whether it's in the wine world or elsewhere, at a certain point, especially with a certain amount of success, people tend to be like, okay, yeah,
5: this is my, yeah. my
1: thing now. And he never, he never lost that desire to, to look and, 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 Honestly, quite extraordinary for a man of his generation from the UK, but he wasn't afraid to fail. You know, he wasn't afraid to to make a mistake, um, and I think it's a it's a great lesson that, for life. I mean,
2: that's so true. Imagine the guy went to on holiday to Barcelona. Okay, so next to the Sagrada Familia, there is a side street in. It's, it's lost. It's, you can't find it. It's a hole in the wall. And it's called a vermuteria. Okay. He goes in there and he tries a vermouth from Spain. And he does his research, happens to be, uh, we import a top selection, this vermouth. So he calls me up and he said, Oh my God, this is the best vermouth I have ever tried in my life. I want to write it up in decanter. And in that time, he, he, he always had the superior choice. And I'm like, Spanish vermouth people will <laughs> laugh at you Steven and he said I don't care this is the best vermouth I've ever tried in my life so ever since I used this as the absolute marketing tool you know what I mean the yeah. guy there there's no one who writes about vermouth in decanter. nobody he was the only one who did that you know that's a, that's a very
0: nice that's a very nice anecdote Nicole do you have an anecdote like sh- short one on 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 Steven
4: I think you mentioned a, a good point, like uh, which is that he was very, um, he treated everyone so equally and from his generation, the way he treated young women, uh, as, uh, or I wasn't that young, but even the ones that I've known that he's met, he had a, a really modern way of welcoming younger women or new women into the profession. And I remember the first time I met him, uh that was so intimidating of course as it would always be for anybody new in the profession and he it was that light touch always um that was so elegant um not flirting not um putting you down not overly you know interested just knowing exactly how to level with you in a way that was supportive and um that first first meeting at the Carlton Club, I must say, I came away thinking, if this is what the people in, at the top of the wine world are like, I feel so grateful to have come into this incredibly wonderful new world. And
2: then you sure. met other people.
4: No, but that's actually, that's a really good point to <laughs> so everybody.
1: A, a,
0: a real gentleman. But,
1: sorry, I, well, and I would say that to everybody who, you know, in the post Me Too universe, Um, who says oh well but back then that's just how things were done and it wasn't his fault because that you know he didn't realize he was doing anything wrong there are and have always been people like steven who actually just treated women professionally so um yeah no sorry that doesn't fly
0: jamie you have a you have an anecdote just to wrap up
1: i think i'm i'm good
0: okay so thank you very much. Before we finish the, uh, the segment, uh, there's usually the thumbs up and thumbs down. Uh, so this time, we're just going to do thumbs ups because you know, the news are sad enough like that. Uh, Akosh, thumbs up. What is it?
2: OK, so I have uh, a producer that Nicole probably knows, um, which is the oldest uh, wine estate in France, whose name is even written in the, in the history books in uh, Latin. It's the only f- state in France that is not written in French, but it's in Latin. It goes back to 1890s, sorry, and the first written document is back to the 7- 1280s, and it's called Seca, also known as Fossesh in the Loire Valley, and the guy is organic, biodynamic, and so on and so on. doesn't matter. He's a genius. He's completely crazy. He started making wine in Madagascar yes, I'm not drunk, in Madagascar. And then from there, he moved on to uh, study, actually how to make wine in Switzerland, and his parents bought this estate in Saumur. And he has been battling for the past, I would say 20 years, the Saumur appellation. They would refuse and reject his wines, not tasting what it's supposed to be. And uh, maybe Laurent knows that because he was uh, uh, the first client that he had from a three Michelin-star restaurant was Ducasse. And took him in, and he was the very first one to get some red wines into three Michelin-star restaurants in France. And eventually, it's a thumbs up for me, but it's at the same time sad. But he eventually basically decided that there was no point of fighting the French administration, and he quit the appellation, and he became a Vend de France, like what Sasakiya has done, if you want, in a certain way. Okay. But when I spoke to him. the reason why it's a thumbs up for me is because it's like as if a weight has lifted from his shoulder after so many years he lost the appellation of chateau monopole everything else but he said now i can put Chenin blanc on my wines so you know what freedom that's what i say thumbs (laughs) thumbs up
0: up for freedom okay (laughs) we'll drink to that jamie
1: nice um uh, you know honestly it 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 was a sort of a thumbs down because it did make me late today but um, we're getting rain in Napa oh, and we need nice. so desperately um, so that is a huge thumbs up for me.
0: Okay great. And uh, for me there's a one thumbs up and uh, it's this one.
2: Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday.
5: So it was it was
0: Jeannie's birthday last week.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: So uh so yeah. So Oh
1: actually and my best birthday present of all is that on Tuesday I'm getting my second dose. Oh. Woo. So I well
2: will be done. traveling soon. You will be Good. able to see me.
0: <laughs> Great.
2: Yeah, don't worry. They don't let you anywhere. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you all. And uh, we're on to uh, Tanisha and uh, License to Taste. Hi, Tanisha.
3: Hello, how are you?
0: I'm good, and you?
3: I'm good, thank you.
0: Uh, I have to tell you, the the feedback from your uh, segment last week, uh, two weeks ago, were just amazing. And people just loved it. And and one of the things they were asking actually was, why can't we go on a, some kind of a trip, you know, to discover some kind of destinations where, you know, we have good wine and stuff like that. So uh, you came up with something with a very nice place to go. I what did. Is it?
3: You didn't you didn't add any pressure to me by just saying that the two weeks ago was good. That that's fine. <laughs> we can we can keep up the energy, but oh, tonight sure. we are going to Argentina. Oh, nice. We start a little bit in Argentina and talk about that. Argentina is a place that is a very popular wine region. Um, it actually has the largest amount of wine drinkers, drinkers of Argentinian wine are in the U.S. Second largest group of people to drink okay. wine are in Brazil. So I thought that was an interesting little fun fact that I wanted to start with. But the thing about Argentina that makes it um, different is its high elevation. And because of the high elevation, the 4,800 to 6,000 feet, uh, it's cool up there because of high elevation. And then that gives you a nice bit of acidity. While still, Argentina is a warm climate in a warm climate region. Now, what does that mean for you? Warm climate means ripe fruit so and higher alcohol. So be mindful of that. Some people, high alcohol is good. Ripe fruit, also good. Popular grapes, think Malbec, of course, for red. Then you have Cabernet Sauvignon, you have Cabernet Franc, you have um, Bonarda. And for your whites, you have uh, Chardonnay and Tarantès. Tarantès being your most popular white, and then Malbec being your most popular red. The main region in Argentina that most people know is Mendoza. Most people know Mendoza um, from just from the Malbec. Also, another fun fact, Malbec originated in France. We won't go into that whole story because some people feel a way about how it left France, but we'll save that for another chat. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Some major producers, if you are looking to buy a wine from Argentina, a lot of people love Malbec.
0: So oh, they're great. I about
3: that one. Oh, yeah.
0: Malbec, like, they are just, so they're so good.
3: It is. And I'm gonna talk about pairings in a minute because that's when people really are like, oh, I love it. Okay. Uh, but Katana is a good one. Um, Terrazas de los Andes is another great producer to look for. And these are ones that I know are pretty readily available. And then Achaval Ferrer and um, Luigi Bosca is another uh, producer that uh, out of Argentina. That is pretty amazing. Pairings, the things you want to know. Okay, Now with Mabak, think it's a strong, dark fruit flavor and lowish to medium acidity. Full body, hints of smoke and tobacco. So when you pair that, you want to pair it with, not want to pair it, but I like it with a burger off the grill. So not just your regular, not like a McDonald's but in the summer, no. your burger. Off McDonald's
0: the grill. is no-no. No, no,
3: no. no, no. <laughs> Not on but this that, show. <laughs> that hot burger off the grill. You put some onions, you know, you have some onions that you may be grilled as well, and you put that on top of the burger, and maybe you melt some cheese on there too, and then you smash it with the bun. So good. So good. Um, And the white wine, Tarantes, that is... Uh, It's very aromatic, and sometimes it'll fool you because you'll smell it. You get those um, aromas, and you think like, oh, this is going to be a sweeter style wine. Well, no, you would be a little bit incorrect. It is still a dry wine. But because of the aromatics, because of the aromas and the flavors, it is very nice with spicy food. So think spicy Thai food, think like those, um, or Indian food, those rich spicy curries. It is very nice with that.
6: Okay, great.
3: So that is Argentina. Oh,
0: nice. And In we have
3: that was the cliffs notes Yeah. Argentina. And and we
0: have a question from Sarita. Sarita, can you can you come up and ask your question? Yeah. Can, Hi, I your can, you, can you put your video on if you want?
3: Uh, I, I am not camera ready today.
0: Oh, <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> no, no way, no problem.
3: Uh, I do have a question for Tanisha. Hi Tanisha. Hi, Sarita. Hi. How um How much access do you have to Argentine wine in Paris? Not a lot of access um, at all. It's something that I definitely have to um, really look hard for and seek out. That is one of the things that it is a a little difficult about being in um, France, that I don't have access to a lot of the other regions of the world. And I miss that, to be able to have wines from Argentina and Chile and South Africa. There are a couple of places I know that I can find them if I would like to go across town. Then there's also the internet, but of course, why do all that when I have seven trillion French wines that I can choose from? Yeah, awesome. Thank you.
6: Very uh, much. Don't forget, yeah. she lives Thank in France, so
0: it, it, she, she needs to be safe <laughs> at night when she comes back home. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, if you want to ask a question to Tanisha, just raise your hand in the in the chat, and uh, we'll we'll put you on.
3: Yes, any questions?
0: Any questions? Last time there were some very, there were questions from what kind of wine to invest in, how do you start in wine? and uh, It was was very nice. It was very nice. So who has a question? We got
3: quiet?
0: (gasps) Yeah, they got quiet. So actually I have a question, okay? So when we're looking at at Southern American wines, Mm -hmm. uh, so you, you get Argentina and the other big country is Chile. Yes. Are they very different in terms of, of, of taste, in terms of uh, types of wine?
3: Different in terms of taste, different in terms of type of wine, because the soil is different, the climate is different, and um, Chile doesn't have that same elevation. When you think wines from Chile, you usually think Sauvignon Blanc for the white, and then you think Cabernet Sauvignon for um, the red. And so, um, yeah, with the soil being different and things like that, yeah, the other are Taste different. Okay. I enjoy, when I have had uh, Chilean Cabernet Sauvignons. I've really enjoyed them, um, and that's something, I would say, again, something else off of um, the grill, maybe not necessarily a hamburger, but with those, uh, you could do uh, pulled pork, because you have that, because bar- you, you have that smoke, and then you add the barbecue sauce to it, so that will work with that as well. Um, if you have ribs, which I love a good barbecue rib, Um, And that would be a nice pairing for it as well.
0: Is there any exciting new regions in Argentina that are not so well known? This is a question from Nicole.
3: I feel like all of the other regions of Argentina are the ones that are lesser known. Um, uh, A lot of people have been talking about Salta lately. Um, So yeah, I feel like a lot of the other regions of Argentina are the lesser known ones. Okay. And again, I wish I had more access, but... Okay. That's where I live.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Esalta is, is really the end of the world in Argentina. It's a very dry place. And uh, Okay. Any other questions? I guess not. Today, they're a bit tongue-tied.
4: Oh, there's
3: one in the chat. What French wine would I compare to Toronto? Oh, no,
0: because I, I don't see the chat. Yeah, tell me.
3: Huh, that's interesting. I might say, because I'm thinking aromatic, so I might say Viognier from the aromatic uh, sense of it but then that the acidity is slightly different there. I might have to give that a little more thought. Okay. What would you say? Would you say? Cause you, you know this stuff too. You mean me? Yeah. You, uh,
0: you're the expert. Okay. I'm just the host. You know, that's the, <laughs> that's the easiest job. <laughs> All these years of studies that you've Wait, done. <laughs> yeah.
3: No, that's an interesting question. I want to think about that too.
0: Yeah. Okay. I, I, here's another question. Okay. Still on this. How different is uh, Malbec from France compared to the Malbec from Argentina? Because it is, as you said, originated from, from France.
3: Yeah, so in a word, very. Um, uh, the flavor of it, because again, soil, sunlight, climate, things like that. But one thing for me, as far as the flavor of the French Malbec, it is a much richer, stronger, heavier flavor. Whereas you do have a lot more ripe fruit flavors in the one from Argentina. Um, I think that's the biggest difference. The ones that I have had from, um, gosh, why can't I think, Caor in France. Those have been very rich and very um, strong and bold and I have to eat something with them. It's not a wine that I can just pour in a glass and just drink on its own. I have to pair it with something whereas I've been able to drink an um, Argentine-style Malbec on its own.
0: Okay, okay. There's a question from Jeremy. Uh, let me see. Okay, I, I'll, take, I'll take the question live, it's better. Sture. Hello, Sture.
6: Um, how are there you? We go. Good to see you again. There we go. Hey, how are you? I'm doing Hello.
3: great.
6: Hello. Hello, Benisha. Yes. Yeah. What's your opinion from Chile, the uh, Camonier and the Carignon?
3: Oh, I love them both. Um, I am a big fan of Carminier. Um I actually, after France, South America is where I was kind of exploring, tasting wines and things like that as I was doing my studies. And uh, I learned that Camonier, they actually thought for a while it was Merlot. But then they did DNA testing, which, OK, DNA testing on grapes. Interesting. We have the time and money for that. But um, Carmonier is something that I have recommended to people who enjoy Merlot and that are looking for something um, a little different. The flavors can be kind of similar, but I find a little more um, spice and some hints of uh, oak and smoke on Carminier. Okay, Did that answer your question?
6: Well, it's, uh, what's your opinion about Carignan, which is uh, a more uh, sort of labor-like wine than uh, Camagniere?
3: My opinion of it is great, but I'm drinking the French one.
6: I see, okay. <laughs> well, I think that the audience also should know that uh, in, our, in Chile, you will find Camagniere, which were imported from France, that have not been subject to uh, phylloxera louse that eats up the um, uh, the root system so that uh, and also people should know that uh, the uh, the preferred grape in France before phylloxera in the 1860s and 1870s and all the way up to 1890s was actually camanier. so the Hobrion from the 18th century was based on Camanier and not Cabernet Sauvignon Okay. Thank
0: you for the history right. lesson.
3: Thank you. <laughs> learning everything. Yeah, day. he took it back. Yes. I <laughs> yeah. love it. Thank you so much. Thanks thank for you your story.
0: welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank okay. you. So uh, this is it for uh, License to Taste. Tanisha, thank you very much.
3: Thank you. Thank and, you very much
0: uh, We'll see you in uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Take care. And we're on to our last segment. The first thought that that came to my mind and the first name that came to my mind was brian epstein he's the manager of the beatles and he's the person who took them globally so behind every star there's always this person uh, in the shadows that is doing the work and uh, for alain ducasse it was laurent plantier um, so it all started around a coffee, I think it was an espresso, with sugar, um, because, you know, Laurent has a sweet tooth. You know, he grew up in the south of France, um, there was a, you know, his grandfather had a confectioner shop and a chocolate shop, and so basically, he, he lived around that. So yeah, he did develop uh, a sweet tooth, but little did he know that a few years later, he was going to develop also a chocolate with one of the most star chefs in the world, but, you know, fate has, has only, you know, strange ways of going around. And sometimes it, it does catch catches you back. So during that fateful coffee that he had with Alain Ducasse, uh, Alain Ducasse promised him uh, something. It wasn't money, okay? He promised him that he was going to eat well every day from this day onward. Now, it happened. And seeing how slim uh, Laurent Plantier is today, there's probably something between you know, good food and quality food and uh, and health. So, so for the next 18 years, 17, 18 years, uh, he grew the Ducasse brand from zero to 85 million euros going globally with one of the most important parts was when uh, I mean, Ducasse got two three-star Michelin restaurants. In two places in the world. I think it was Monaco and it was New York, and it never happened before. And as I say, the rest is is history. Now, in his post-Ducasse life, um, Laurent Plantier uh, created uh, French Food Capital, which is a venture capital uh, firm in France that invests in the in the food industry. And that is very, very conscious about sustainability and quality. And it's also about showcasing French savoir-faire. So they are into herbal tea, uh, Italian pizza. Okay, about the French savoir-faire, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that again. And also with the bakery with Thierry Marx, another very famous chef. So there must be something with famous star chef and Laurent Planté, there must be something in the DNA there. Uh, So in summary, uh, Laurent Planté is a very discreet man. You, You don't hear very often of him. But his impact on the world of gastronomy is huge. Uh, what he's done with Alain Ducasse is, is is actually fantastic, and what he's doing right now with uh, French Food Capital and being an investor with a conscience—yes, it does exist. Uh, it's very important. So, in the next step, trying to showcase for people and uh, consumers that there are good food alternatives. Um, so this is about uh, Laurent Plantier, and now he takes uh, espresso without sugar. I hope this uh, summarizes (laughs) Probably, It's an honor and and privilege to have you with us this evening uh, for the Wine Hour. Thank you, Laurent Plantier, for accepting the invitation.
7: Thank you so much, Antoine. Thank you so much. I'm very pleased to be here tonight.
0: Um, let's start with the Ducasse Uh, and then we'll move on to what happened afterward. But first of all, what was what were the most important things that you learned during these 18 years
7: with, with Alain Ducasse? Listen, first, I want to say that I will do my best to speak clearly tonight. And please feel free to interrupt me if you don't understand me. But I tell you something. I've spent two years in Boston, and still, I cannot get Massachusetts right.
0: <laughs> it's okay we won't go there we, we won't go to the we won't go to the mit okay he's an mit grad we won't go to the uh, mit and we won't talk about massachusetts
7: don't worry um well uh, there is something i want to share with you is that uh when i met Ducas, uh why uh, we decided to join together because i didn't know how to cook so he knew i will never challenge him and that was part <laughs> of our partnership that we did for 18 years so what what did i learn what did i learn with Alain, it's, you know, through it's very diverse activity uh, this, the, the company has a very consistent strategy bound by a common vision of excellence and uh, excellence is very overused notion, overused world. It's probably one of the most frequently used world in corporate communication. On Google, it's like there is more than one hundred million replies when you just write "excellence," but it is very central uh, in the hospitality industry, in the restaurant industry, and in is high-end gastronomic restaurants. Okay, and um, it's certainly very important for all of us today. But uh, with excellence. What we add is emotion because in in the restaurant I in restaurant business you 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 must provoke emotion and excellence that could be called you know in in the restaurant must provoke an emotion and maybe I I'm not the best to talk about emotion but when you listen to any chef talking about food you can feel the emotion and that I believe that what I learned with Alain is that if you want to succeed in a restaurant, your everyday mission as a chef is daring emotion.
0: Okay, so emotion. And what is the part of wine in gastronomy, part of bringing that emotion? Because you 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 can't be in a three-star Michelin restaurant and without wine,
7: basically. No, I think first I am very biased because I am French. <laughs> and uh, so it's true that in, even in the French culture, you know that repas gastronomique des Français was awarded to be uh, protected by the UNESCO. And w- when we talk about le gastronomique des Français, it's it's the w- what is it? It's the way people uh, uh, celebrate together. And and when they we describe this this meal, this repas. Is start by by alcohol. The, right. Then then you have entry. Uh, you have the main dish with wine. Then you have a dessert, and then uh, you have this um, audio, digestive. Digestive. Yeah.
0: So,
7: so first wine is, is part of as being French. It's part of of a dinner, you know. And uh, when you talk about gastronomy. Uh, Yes, it's about food and wine. It's not about food, and but I am firm believer that the, the experience, the emotion, the customer experience in in this type of restaurant is holistic. That that is what you have in the plate is as important as what you have around the plate. Is a service is as important as what you drink with. So and you need to be consistent. That you need to deliver the right service, the right food with the right wine. And then, then you create emotion. You know, it's like uh, when you, you go to a farm to table food today, you drink organic wine or you drink natural wine because that is consistent.
0: OK, so, so you, you, you've had that very long experience in which you were exposed to excellence, to emotion, to harmony. And then you go, uh, and I have to mention also that you've been an entrepreneur all your life. So the business side is, is something that is very important and it's, new, it's in your DNA. So then you moved on to create French food capital. Why? Why a, a VC? Because there were VCs potentially that were investing in, in the food industry. But why create French food capital?
7: Well, uh, it's also part, as you said, as being an entrepreneur and wanting to work with company. You know, we, with Ducasse, developing the, the company's the Educat group was not only about restaurant, but was also about education because we we have a school for professionals it's about chocolate it's about consulting it's a it's about edition we were printing books so there were plenty of different activities which which um, uh, was part of my life so when when i decided to do something i wanted to do something very diverse. And uh, when you are working in uh, private equity, you are you spend your time meeting people uh, and looking at the project. So, so you work in a very diverse and uh, diverse scene. But about wh- what I do, is, it's also because as I spend part of my life traveling and promoting French gastronomy, I, I noticed that uh, the French way of life Luxury goods, wine, food is beloved. It's loved everywhere in the world. I don't say that French are loved everywhere in the world. That's not true. But <laughs> the French way of I wonder life, why you say that. <laughs> the French way of life is is, is really uh, appreciated. I said uh, as 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 a brand, and on that one side, and on, on the another side, we really have in France uh, some um, uh, very uh, uh, strong know-how. So we have very, a lot of small company in the food businesses, in the wine businesses that have a lot of know-how. Uh, but sometimes they lack uh, some capacity to sell, to promote their product, to sell abroad. They're not very good at that. So, so the idea was to help to, to help this company with very strong, very good product, very strong know-how to expand and to grow.
0: So what is driving your investment decision? What is the, the, the profile, let's say, or the typical uh, company that French Food Capital would be interested in? Because you mentioned different things. You mentioned you know, the savoir-faire, the quality, etc. What is the, the right formula, if there is any?
7: Well, um, I think I, th- I said that we are here to, to help the company grow. So, so for sure, we are looking at the capacity for a company to scale. But at, at the end, we invest in a product that we invest in the team. So we need to spend a lot of time understanding the DNA of the team. And we really look at the founder's belief. And uh, for sure, when we invest in a company, we, um, the manager needs to have a vision. But not only you need to have a vision, but you should also be able to deliver it. And I, I believe that to deliver your vision every day, you, you, you do it with your, your your core value. So we seek what are this core value for us? It's like quality. And um, quality is the bien manger. And I, I do believe it's never an accident, you know, never came as an accident, but it's always the result of a lot of work, a lot of skills. So we, we want to invest in teams that are dedicated to deliver this high quality product this high-quality service, and, and uh, that's part of who they are. Because if you don't want to improve your product, your service, day by day, you will never be able to deliver this high-quality service. And also, after, we want people that respect other people. And you, you need to be respectful to your customer, to your partner, to your employee, but also to the planet.
0: Okay, but is, isn't, isn't it difficult to scale because you were talking about company growing to scale and keep the quality and keep everything you know as it's supposed to be at the beginning, what the mission of the company was? Isn't that
6: complicated?
7: First, yes, it is. That's, <laughs> that's not unfortunate. Yes, it is. That's why you really need to be dedicated and it need to be part of who you are. Because you need to do that to do that every day and every day. But I, 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 because I I do believe that it's you are. We are talking about food. We invest in food businesses, whether we produce, whether it is a restaurant. We invest in in, about food, and food is for for me more more than a product. You know, because this product is that you eat. So so uh, it's it's. Go inside your body. Okay. So, so it's a quality you get inside your body. So I, even if you could make money, uh, on 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 non-quality product, I, I do believe that you do better thing for the, for you for yourself for everyone for the planet if you work with company that try to do the best product they could. That, okay. That's that's my belief, and uh, and it's it's very important. So we try to invest in companies that try to do what they do and the way they do. And, and I do believe that everybody will benefit from it, which means that the customer, and at the end, even the investor, because people will understand. It's When you do it right, at the end, people understand. Because sometime,
0: sometimes you have investors. For them, the, the return on investment is the most important. And even if it were to you know, not really take care of the quality the way it was at the beginning, but because they want to make their return on investment. So it's, it's, it's rare to find, actually, someone that does invest with, with, with a point of view on the, on the quality part uh, and, and to keep it like this.
7: Yes. But I, uh, it may work, <laughs> I don't think it may work, but uh, uh, Two days I think that we are in a very open world and that information uh, go very fast so uh, if if you try to cut corner in uh, you may benefit from it financially if nobody notice it for sure because uh, you put less quality and you sell the product at the same price with 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 some with the products that have a good reputation but you also have a have a backlash that people learn it faster than you okay okay than you it, know, it,
6: you know? and, and
7: maybe, it was not the, I, I, maybe it's still the case that you go could get away from it but it's less and less the case today that's that, that my belief that uh, if a company is doing very well what they do they i mean the, they will deliver financial results at the end
0: there's a, there's a quick question from from Jamie in the chat that is related to what we were talking. What do you think of B, a certification, like the B corporation, uh, for social? Uh, is it something that that is that is of interest? Do you think it's it's a good way to do to do things to create businesses?
7: I, I, I um, it's, it's a good question, but uh, I, I do think that very soon. Uh, I mean, you, you, when we talk about food, you you won't have the choice by doing it well. So so that's that's really my my belief. You you won't have the choice tomorrow, to to uh, preserve the resources of the planet. It, it won't it won't be an option today. It is an option, and only some companies that are big corporates doing it for sure. But it it won't be because. And it's, it's changing. When I talked to companies only a few years ago, when we start, uh, people were not so much focused about all this issue, uh, about um, uh, social issue. Uh, 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 but RSO, what is RSO in English, Sorry, What is RSO in English? Uh, responsibility. Uh, social, well, yeah.
0: social economy.
7: It, um, it's, it's changing fast. And, and uh, so it's pushing. In two ways. First, there is a consumer that is pushing for it, and then there is, the, and then today there is the investor that are pushing for it. So, the company won't have the choice today. They still have, but I, that's my belief. They they won't have the choice because okay. first the cons, the, cons, the consumer uh, makes the decision at the end because you decide as a consumer what do you want to buy, what you don't want to buy. So maybe, okay, I say that the the company is not making the decision. Uh, because they believe in it, but they make the decision because they want to sell the product to the consumers <laughs> and believe in it. So, at the end, if, I mean, at the end, things are moving on the right way.
0: So, so what's going to happen, you think, also in the world of wine, because they are also exposed to that. And, uh, and there's a lot of things happening in, 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 in the world of wine, actually. Uh, what do you think the main challenges and some of the trends will be for the for the world of wine? Will it follow this kind of socially conscious? There's a lot of things happening already. What's your what's your what's your view on this?
7: Yeah, I think that it's a major issue. Uh, I mean, uh, I am not drinking as my the same wine wine as my father, and I think my daughter uh, will is not she's not drinking the same wine as I am. And things are moving today and uh, we, everyone is conscious about that we need to use the natural resources of the planet and that, yes, certification, as we say, regulation have a contribution to bring, but, but I, I do believe that the debate is much larger and um, that we have to fulfill our responsibility, you know, and it's the same for me for wine as it is for product. Should we have to, uh, having fruit and vegetable travel thousands of kilometers before arriving in our table? So one day we will ask the same thing for our wine. And and uh, and is the same about what type of product you put in your wine. Today, nobody know when you're drinking a wine, uh, unless you have bottle what what i don't know what i am drinking i mean i'm i'm i know i know i i thought i'm drinking cabernet or and i know that i have alcohol but i don't know if i what type of uh, product uh, pesticide i am drinking when i drink my wine and uh, and they have some good wine with pesticides, and they have some good yeah. wine without pesticide. But when the consumer, the drinker will know exactly what he's drinking, I don't believe that people will still drink the wine with the pesticide. Yeah. They will drink the wine the more natural they. Are.
0: So, So it's basically giving the uh, consumer the right information, the information. They, they have to know what they are consuming.
7: Yeah, but then and I think they, they take a decision. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because when you will understand it, that everyone will understand it, you will, people will choose because everyone is wise. I mean, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to to poison myself with alcohol because I like it. Uh, but
0: but not with pesticides. Uh, <laughs> but not yeah, with
7: I'm
4: pesticides.
7: Ready. I don't. I don't think I'm ready to 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 drink uh, petrol and you know. Oh, yeah. So so it is it, not the case today and and uh, uh, but there will be a tipping point and it is the same like what happened to the ketchup in the state where you a few years you you they should have uh, understand what was coming because if you read papers about it the more and more people were talking about Heinz ketchup was not good for your health but they were still, they didn't care because the cell, the amount of cell didn't change, you know? So well, they didn't care about any papers about Never our bike for your yeah. But one day the cells start to drop, the cells start to drop and they, and then they needed to change and to adapt the product to the customer needs. So I, I, I believe that it will happen one day for the wine. maybe in two years, maybe in five years, maybe in 15 years. But one day, uh, when you have the device that will tell you uh, what you are drinking, people will change their mind.
0: So remember, every consumer has the power to make a change by the way they consume. And basically, this is the, uh, the, the kind of a summary of, of what uh, Laurent Plantier was saying. It's very, very important. We all have the power to decide what we want to consume or not um we're ready to take on uh, questions from uh, from the audience who has uh who has a question for Laurent plantier
7: i agree with what they say it has already started for wine yes for sure yeah. i already I, I, I agree with that.
0: so yeah people starting to you know you, you see more natural wines you see more di- biodynamic you see more uh, organic types of wine Okay, here's a question from uh, from uh, Ming. Okay, Ming, if you want to uh, unmute yourself and put the video on if you want to.
4: Um. Yeah, I- I'll-, I'll skip the video today.
0: Okay, <laughs> another person not v- video ready. <laughs> it's fine. Go ahead. What is your question for Laurent Plantier?
4: So I would like to uh, hear what Laurent think. Uh, what is the hindrance or obstacles to realize the vision you said about the consumer-driven wine? Like what are the challenges you you see that needs to be overcome
5: in order to make that vision happen?
7: For me, it's about the information, you know, Uh, how people understand clearly, how people understand clearly what they drink is, you know. Uh, 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 When, um, do do you know this uh, uh, device you have on the, on on, um, the, that, that is very very popular in France. Yuka, call You know mm-hmm. Yuka. I don't know if everyone is familiar with Yuka. Uh, uh, Yuka helps you understand what you what uh, you buy by just scanning the the code, the barcode, on any uh, food product. And uh, when you scan the barcode, they give you a very uh, uh, they give you a grade A, B, C, D, and then you know that the A product is good for for your body. The e product is not good for your body. Basically, when you are buying some uh, uh, industrial cheese, it's not good for your body. I, I don't I don't think I need um, a device to tell me that industrial cheese is not good for your body. But most of the product, most of the people I, I they need a device to tell them that industrial cheese. Is not good for uh, for your body. When people start to use this uh, yucca device, it has changed today in France the way uh, industrial people produce their product. They because uh, they uh, start to withdraw additives from industrial biscuits, from industrial yogurt, from so it has changed. And I think that today, when you buy wine, you have no idea about what pesticides. Uh, if even uh, uh, if you know that one winemaker is using or not using pesticide, you don't know the amount of what he's using. You don't know if if the wine that is uh, side, uh, I mean the property that is side by side to it, benefit or not benefit from you know uh, from uh, uh, what the other one is doing. So we have no clue when you are, we are drinking wine what we are drinking. But when when we will understand it clearly, because because of any uh, technical device that happened that make clear that this one is hundred of what whatever, and this one has none. People people with change their attitude.
0: Information very important. Thank you, Min, for your for your question. Is there another question for Laurent? Bonnie. Are you Bonnie Gotts? I hope I, I pronounced it well. Um, are you uh, video friendly or, or just uh, audio friendly?
5: Hi, let me see if I can. Hi, <laughs> let see if I can get my audio and my your... video.
0: Hello again.
5: <laughs> hi, hi, good to see you. Yes, we met earlier. Yeah. Laurent, thank you so much for um, your information. You're really touching some top topics for me. Um, whenever we start talking about pesticides and additives that are in wine, um, but I, re- I really, really want to know is you know you're in this VC, um, and I wanted to know um, what where's the VC headed? Like, what are some of your hot topics right now, or um, where's the interest at right now? Such as you know I've been reading a lot about France and the food industry. Um, there's a big pool between. Um, the future of food and the history of the French food and, and, and the, how big a difference there is between those two. So are, are you seeing more of like a farm to table type um, business interest or are you still seeing quite a bit of business and venture capital business is what I really mean um, in the history of the French food? So I think of well, booze coups uh, right? <laughs> whenever I whenever I think of um, the history of France, um, the French food, but um, I just don't know what the future is looking like from your point of view. Okay, yeah. thank
7: you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, we there is two different things that there is like uh, forces that are opposite today because we see the trend, and everybody see the trend, which trend we know it is for uh, less sugar, less fat, uh, home delivery, uh, better product, farm to table, health-conscious customers, sustainability. So everybody understands this trend. But between the trend and the mass market adopting it, it, in the food business, it takes some time. It may take 20 years. It takes a generation because we like to eat, where what we uh, were eat it, uh, it well, what we eat when we were young, so it takes it take a generation to change. So it will be a, it will take a lot of time for people to adopt uh, new habits. So today people that are adopting these new habits are mostly young people, you know, or okay more conscious people living in the city. But it's not true that at the same time people want to eat healthier products. But at the same time, there is more and more burger opening in France every year, you know. So you have these two opposite forces and that you need 20 years, generation, you need know, a generation flip in, uh, that, that is major okay. between the trend and everyone adopting the trend. It takes a lot of time in, uh, in uh, um in food it's not like adopting an iPhone, you know, we take a few a few years and everybody's adopting this new technology. In the food it, it takes a more, more times.
1: Okay. Thank Very you. Good.
0: Thank, thank you. you, Bonnie, for your question. Uh, so before we close the show, there's a uh, the last part of the uh, of the interview, which is the uh, pivot questionnaire. Are you are you ready? I am ready. Okay, so what is your favorite word? It's freedom. What's your least favorite word?
7: Is racism.
0: What is your favorite virtue?
7: Generosity.
0: What's your favorite quality in a man?
7: Courage. Courage.
0: Courage. Courage. What's the, your favorite quality in a woman? Courage. <laughs> what wine or dish or dessert uh, would you use to describe yourself?
7: Well, I take wine because they're talking about wine. So we okay. take Chateau Hayes. Because it's elegant, it's sensuous, and a bit of complexity. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> What's your favorite curse uh, word in any language? No,
7: no, no, I don't curse. I don't curse. You don't curse? No, I don't curse. Oh, come on. No, I don't curse. Never? Maybe putain. Maybe oh, putain. Yeah, you did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what sound or noise do you love?
7: I, I like uh, Cinnamon by Nina Simon. Okay. Jazz, I like. Airbnb, folks, so cinnamon,
0: is okay. All of them nice. What sound or noise do you hate?
7: Ah, uh, the baby crying.
0: Okay, what plant or animal would you like to be reincarnated in?
7: Uh, olive tree. Uh? I like olive tree,
0: oh, nice. last and, they, and they last long. <laughs> <laughs> and the last question if uh, heaven exists, uh, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the purity gates?
7: Uh, white or red.
0: <laughs> Laurent Plantier, thank you very much. Thank you. So this uh, ends up our wine hour. the so, we'll team back. Thank you very much for being with us today. Uh, it was a pleasure to welcome Laurent Plantier. And the Wine Dream team: Jamie Oraho, Tanisha Townsend, and Akosz Uh Thank you for listening. Next show is on April first. Till then, be well, be safe, faith always. Goodbye, everyone.
7: Bye bye. In two weeks.
1: I'll talk to you from bottling. <laughs>